Joe Davey is a travel writer and photographer specializing in food, visual arts, culture, and adventure travel. She also specializes in Eastern Asia and is therefore the author of the upcoming Brat Guide to Okinawa and Japan's Southwest Islands. And recently, she's been exploring Taiwan for Journey Travel Magazine, and that's where we pick up with her now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers, and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Season 5 is brought to you in partnership with the Taiwan Tourism Administration. So I am a born and bred Londoner. Uh, not many of them left i know it's a rare breed these days yeah right uh not that it gives me any specialism on that one but uh <laughs> I, <laughs> I originally did my my degree was in started out as english literature at university of east anglia but i fought mm. my way onto the creative writing course brilliant uh, so actually did fiction writing originally and that's what my dissertation was in so poetry and short stories things like that fantastic so that's how i started out in writing really um and then travel writing came as a very uh late addition I think I was working and living abroad in Japan interesting as wow. a sort of sous chef <laughs> so oh, wow. working, yeah I was working as a as a sous chef just north of Tokyo um and I realized when I came back that uh, writing had to be on my list but travel also had to be on my list I think I'm a good traveler but travels on those vast and brilliant umbrellas that allows for so many topics and I'm a jack of all trades so you get to write about history culture art food adventure absolutely so, really so but unfortunately I started doing it got my first break five months before covid oh perfect brilliant so yeah, what was well what was that first break out of interest uh it was uh it came through a, a meeting actually at, I think it might have been uh, the Nat, Nat Geographic Food Festival where mm-hmm. I met my now lovely uh, good friend Neil Davey who were both <laughs> over having the same surname uh, and he <laughs> introduced me to uh, The Week and uh, so my first press trip was to uh, Vienna to cover the Albrecht Dürer exhibit that was opening at the Albertina and it was uh, yeah it was very cool it was uh, we had a proper golden eye moment where two people had to use the synchronized key cards to open the vaults to let us through into oh, the, awesome. the art, the art uh, exhibits downstairs where everything is ferreted away and we got to sit there with white gloves to look at these incredible artworks so really felt like I'd made it very quickly Down, yeah baptism of fire absolutely that's amazing <laughs> Thank you very much fantastic and I think so you know you've got your kind of travel writing uh meets let's say your uh, kind of your life and your expertise and your exper- experience of eastern Asia uh, and that's kind of led us to what you're working on or one of the big projects that you're working on at the moment which is your brat guide to Okinawa. Tell us a little bit about your experiences in in Okinawa and Japan's Southwest Islands. Yeah, it's very much an all-consuming project at the moment. Um, (laughs) I I actually first went out there, I have a friend who went out there on the JET program, which is Japan's equivalent of the TEFL program. Sure. And he had no clue about Japan and just randomly assigned himself anywhere he thought might sound nice, which included Okinawa, and got sent to work on the tiny one of the tiniest islands in the archipelago uh in a I think it was an island of about 40 people mm-hmm. and he couldn't speak Japanese anything like that and lived there for five years ended up marrying his scuba diving instructor um 
and still lives out there and is now a guide in uh, in the central mountain ranges in Japan. But that's how I first went to Okinawa was visiting him. Mm-hmm. And it was just this absolutely incredible moment of sitting on the end of this pier, fishing for squid with this tiny Japanese boy who could outfish us all. And, uh, and then watching shooting stars on the bottom of the pier. And I just thought it was the most incredible place. And Good then Lord. I went back and went back and went back and it, it's it's so far removed from mainland Japan it's not true everyone's image of what Tokyo or Osaka or Kyoto mm. is is nothing like these islands which are this tropical wonderland you see photos and you just cannot believe they're the same country uh, any blooming romances with a scuba diver on the cards for yourself <laughs> uh no no definitely not <laughs> uh no scuba divers are uh it's it, I think scuba diving is one of the most difficult uh jobs to have romance in um, I can imagine yeah Gagged, bound, and underwater as you are. Well, each to their own. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got my hands full on that front at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, well, let's kind of talk a little bit more about about Taiwan specifically. Obviously, you've just been out there uh, for Journey Mag, um, writing specifically about adventure tourism. Let's say busting the myth that you said just there about about Tokyo, and everyone has a, a certain concept of what of what Japan is, i.e., Tokyo. I think it's kind of or Osaka or Kyoto. And there's a whole other kind of gamut of things that can be done in Japan. I think that's absolutely true for for Taiwan as well. Now, I think maybe people think about Taipei. They might think about perhaps cycling, super famous in Taiwan. But there's a whole kind of adventure travel scene in Taiwan that nobody knows about. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what you kind of what you got up to while you were out there. Well, I, I think interestingly, going from what we were just talking about, the islands that I work in are, are huge for not necessarily adventure tourism because I think they're again quite under the radar but mm. what they have there is is extraordinary uh you know they're jungled they have amazing scuba diving and they have surfing and things like that and, and they are so close to Taiwan so Yonaguni which is the uh, westernmost island that I work on uh I've stood on Yonaguni and looked at Taiwan Good it's look. only 100 kilometers from Taiwan amazing. and has incredible shared history with Taiwan um they used to have a black trade between them whilst the, uh, both were colonized by Japan. Uh, and then obviously Yonaguni was taken over by the US after the war. So they have this incredible shared history. So Taiwan has always been really a place of interest for me to go for a very long time. People always said it's like Japan, but more chilled out. Interesting. Uh, it has a very similar geographical aspect to it as well as the islands do. So there's this um, there's this current called the Kuroshio current, which essentially just means uh, black current mm-hmm. that runs up from the Philippines, splits around Taiwan, and then moves up these islands that I work in, uh, and it brings all these warm waters. It's essentially a sort of Asian Gulf Stream. So what that results in is really cool scuba diving in the islands that I work in, but also in Taiwan. So one of the big things I, I hope to do in Taiwan was a lot, well, a lot of scuba diving. I did a shore dive of off the off the coast of Taiwan they've got Green Island Orchid Island uh my pronunciation in in Mandarin is terrible but uh the (laughs) islands um the Penghu Islands are made of basalt so they have basalt columns like you'd see in Giant's Causeway or Iceland amazing which is quite incredible and seems quite unusual to associate with that side so you've got amazing dives there you've got wreck diving um and also you get the hammerhead collection off the uh, off the coast between Yonaguni and Taiwan. So if you're a very good diver, which I am not, you can you can go to some depths and just surround yourself with hammerhead sharks, which is very, very cool. Fantastic. Um, and then they also have typhoon season, which means that they get actually surprisingly good surf because when those typhoons whip up those waves, 
you've got some incredible surfing, but it's a really nascent, I think everything that I experienced in Taiwan when it came to adventure was all very nascent tourism. Um, I think you spoke to Rob, who's your cycling yes, that's right. guy in Taiwan, and he was saying, you know, it's it, it's, take, it's taken a while to get the cycling going there. And I think it's the same for things like surfing uh, and scuba diving and trekking. It's it's all very in its formative years, which means it's very, very cool if you're into this stuff to go there and be some of the first people to do it. Absolutely. And I guess that's exactly what you did, right? We, we spoke a little bit about scuba diving. You, is it like a Via Ferrata kind of thing? You did some uh, some work getting lost and scared above a river and, and various... <laughs> We just something called it's called river tracing, which is a right. That's the word. Thank you. Term I've I've not heard before. Actually, I would have thought I actually thought it was a, a misprint on the itinerary for river tracking. Um, oh, interesting. It, it essentially uh, you get dropped to uh, well, not quite the mouth of the river, but you get dropped to, in the lower echelons of the river, and you work your way up through the river uh, towards towards the source. We we didn't go that high because I mean Taiwan's absolutely hugely mountainous it's got a i think it's about five mountain ranges and has about if memory serves 27 mountains that are over three thousand meters it's when you look at a, a a topographical map of it it's like watching um someone unfold crumpled origami it is just this wow huge sort of massive of mountains but so the river tracing was involved fighting my way up a river which is um all well and good. Some of the people that I was with, one of them's a, a National Geographic Explorer. That's his actual title. That's um, very cool. And isn't it? yes, I know he's disgusting. Um, <laughs> uh, but one of those people who you know climbs glaciers on the weekend. Uh, whereas, ah, yeah, I mean you know, that's the same as my life, really. Yeah, like, I mean that's what I think. That's woodworking what is on basically Thursday, the same, right? Nothing yeah. else to do. Um, but yeah, I'm five foot four um and uh have the weak limp asparagus arms of a writer so, um, <laughs> how dare <I'm>, you <laughs> hauling myself up a seven foot waterfall like a pull-up um whilst being waterboarded by a very thunderous fall was uh was quite an experience which is when uh I well I said I I had much more water in my lungs than I, than I think is medically advised um and also my GoPro got washed out of my life jacket pocket um, oh no! Yeah. Oh shoot! Is this this is the the river robbing you of your of your oxygen and your possessions? Yes, exactly. It was a it was a thorough frisking. Um, <laughs> it was it, what was worse is that some of the people on this trip were influencers, and I got out this old ancient GoPro, and when I told them it got lost, they told me I think that's for the best. Oh, brutal! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They said it was a terrible piece of kit and I should have updated it years ago. So I was Well, I mean, I was, that's as good a reason as any to update it then, right? Yeah, exactly. Not not that we're uh, not that we're recommending throwing cameras in water, folks, just to kind of clarify. That's not what we're suggesting here. But I if mean, it if has not do it anywhere, Taiwan is clearly the place to do it because a week later when I arrived in Taipei, there was a box waiting for me. Good lord. Uh, wow. And the uh, the river tracing guides had gone to the bottom of this lagoon and found my camera and sent it back to me in Taipei. That is absolutely spectacular. If you are trying to lose your <laughs> kit, then don't do it in Taiwan because these uh, the the locals will, I assume, dive to the bottom of a lagoon. Is that what I happened? have no idea how they retrieved it. It was it was just mysteriously there when I was. That's so, that yeah. is absolutely I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, these guides were like neutron stars of people they were the most condensed <laughs> sinew i've ever seen they could have I, I truly believe they could have done anything including throwing me up a waterfall at some point so 
Yeah. I, I think that's kind of testament, right? You hear that the you hear that the Taiwanese people are, are friendly and welcoming, but literally diving to the bottom of a lagoon to retrieve something that some people say isn't worth retrieving in the first place <laughs> is is yeah. absolutely phenomenal. So thank you very much to the guides of it was called yeah, river were... tracing, right? Your river tracing guides. Yeah, they were they were absolutely incredible. And I said the fittest fiddles in the entirety of Taiwan, I think. Good lord, that's an amazing, amazing story. As we said, you know, when people think about Taiwan, maybe they think about Taipei. They think about Taipei One Hundred One, the enormous building. But Taiwan, as an Eastern Asian destination, is very, very green, and I think that still surprises a lot of people. So while you were up in the mountains, kind of fighting against the rivers, kind of maybe you could paint a little picture of of what what the area looks like. Obviously, you've got the mountains that kind of run down the spine of the island. I believe that's right, and yeah. these kind of cut kind of very, very drastically down to beaches. But it's it's surprisingly verdant, right? It's incredibly verdant. It's mm. it, again it very much surprised me as well. And and I should have probably learned better having just spoken about people's say people's image of Tokyo and mm, right. that's the rest mm. of Japan. Mm. Uh, the same does go for Taiwan. Uh, I, I think if you, it's it's well worth if you're unfamiliar with Taiwan, looking at a map of it because Taipei is very much in the north. Sure. Um, and we always say the eastern side is is the wild side of Taiwan, but actually that eastern side is is more like most of the island. And then the wow. west is this belt that runs down the west coast of huge cities, and it's city after city after city after city down there um but it is it's quite a thin strip compared to the rest of the island which is just given over to these huge huge mountain ranges um which are incredibly lush i'm a big fan of jungle that's that's one of the big things i love about travel is jungle i i'm never more comfortable than when i'm uncomfortable and hot <laughs> Wonderful. and probably covered in biting ants or you know a conglomeration of sun cream and deet uh and trekking somewhere <laughs> like that uh I, I that's it's really one of my favorite things to do so having heard that taiwan had these wilds i was i was very excited to see them the greenery is always comes as a surprise to most people and it's it's just carpeted over these huge soaring towers of mountains and these these mountains go right up to the coast in some places as well right, so wow. got this drastic drop off to these pristine and blissful beaches that are barely used um so it's it's really something to see and and when you're when you're going up all these uh, rivers and through limestone canyons the water there is impossibly blue it is, wow. it is everything you expect from postcard pictures that you find in Maldivian magazines it's it's almost neon and luminescent in its color Uh, so one of the places that's very famous um, on that side is Taroko Gorge and it it is a gorge that's cut been cut through obviously millennia ago by this river Uh, and the limestone I think it's limestone there off the top of my head uh, and sort of marble comes through with this gray sheen and then you just have this luminescent blue water it's this aquamarine that's you just you just want to jump in even though it's really quite cold in places <laughs> soon after um but that's that was astonishingly beautiful and uh and then you have this huge bridge when you enter Taroko Gorge which is red so it, it cuts through with scarlet as well and it's just this kaleidoscope of beauty really fantastic uh, Taroko is is a national park I believe right it is a national park and I think it's one of the places that's that will prove I think uh 
in my relative relatively limited knowledge on it, uh, an entry point for more adventure in Taiwan because it's so easily accessible. You can pull up. There's quite there's a big uh, tunnel that goes under one of the mountains there where people can pull up. Coach parties can pull up. And you can either sit there and, and walk around for an hour. We saw a few kids on the trails when we sort of started out. Uh, and then as you get further and further into the national park, it starts to become um, a lot less touristed. And, and the people who are really dedicated and what they want to do, trekkers, people who want to camp over. And there does seem to be a big camping uh, contingent in Taiwan for those in the know um, can really make use of the rest of the national park. But it, it, I think it goes for a lot longer than I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Folks, if you're listening and you want to learn more, it's Taroko National Park. That's T-A-R-O-K-O. That's a couple of hours kind of drive out of Taipei. So it's about an hour north of Hualien, which is one of the cities we've spoken about earlier in this season of the podcast. Hualien is, I guess, the nearest major town or city. Um, but otherwise, you can kind of fly to Taipei and go to Taroko. Is that how you got there, Joe? You took a, a car journey, yeah, a bus so journey? Flew, yeah, we flew into Taipei. Uh, and as soon as, as soon as we landed, started to drive over to the top of the east coast, which is uh, it starts out with Ilan, which mm-hmm. is spelt with a Y. Actually, I said my my uh, Mandarin pronunciation is is pretty terrible, but much better uh, than mine. Don't don't apologize. <laughs> well, well I, maybe I, we should both apologize to all of our. Friends yeah, I'm I'm so I'm so sorry uh, to anyone <laughs> that it's, it's being butchered. Um, and then yes, then we headed into well. Hualien or Falin, as I've also heard it called, is is I think the only real city on that east coast, and it's it's pretty dead centre. Uh, really lovely city, actually has some wonderful sort of typical tourist sites as well, some beautiful temples, a lovely river running through, um, and great night markets as well, which I think you've you've spoken to people about too. So um, it's a nice it's a nice little break when you've been trekking and uh, working your way through jungles or rivers or flying over valleys or diving down into the depths it's um yeah some civilization from from nature <laughs> i mean flying flying over valleys interesting you say that because that's going to lead us beautifully in it's going to beautifully segue <laughs> beautiful beautiful segue there let's talk a little bit about paragliding then as you mentioned flying over valleys um because taiwan taiwan has the ability to do that as well maybe you could share a couple of moments of your uh, experiences doing paragliding yeah, so these uh, you do see them as as you're driving along. You're sort of looking out. Obviously, it's impossible to look away from the scenery as you're as you're passing, and you do see on the horizon these. Sit there thinking it's a very big bird out there, and then you realise <laughs> it's bright tangerine, and and it's actually just a, a, a small selection of paragliding. Um, and two of the people I was I was with, including this uh, explorer, are, are paragliders, and so they had heard of Taiwan's paragliding scene. Again, pretty pretty much in its infancy uh but there seems to be a lot of thermals up there and obviously they've got these huge mountains with with severe drop-offs so that you're very quickly in the air this this entire east coast that opens up before you and this incredible uh incredible coastline as well which is is stunningly beautiful so uh when i heard that paragliding was was a potential i was very keen i've always wanted to do it we went up into the mountains and uh quite quickly realized that paragliding involves actually leaping off <laughs> terrifying. It's, it's sort of something you know happens and to and, and it's in the back of your mind and it it quite quickly scoots to the forefront um when you're strapped to a stranger <laughs> uh i mean they they were incredibly kind but that's, very that's for safety reason folks that's not just what people that's do. i mean yeah, yeah. 
I, I yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd spent the whole week strapped to a stranger, but that's a very different story. Sure. Um, <laughs> but no, they, we'll they pick that up they, on another episode. Perhaps. <laughs> uh, they had a they had quite limited English, so most of their instructions were were pretty basic, and it mm. was just keep running. Wow, wow. They keep running, like, but where to? Just just keep running. So uh, yeah, the the wind very quickly takes your feet off the ground, whether you're running or not. So you're just eting into the air. Uh, <laughs> what a brilliant and phrase. <laughs> and it's, but it was wonderful. It's, it's, I think, potentially the only way to see a country ever now in my mind. Wow. Uh, is to see Even it. more so exactly. than like a little biplane. Yeah. It's, so it's I, I, raw, I imagine, right? Because you literally feel your, your legs being whipped by the wind, I assume. Yeah, very much. It's, it's like nothing on earth to have, you say, the wind in your hair, the wind in your in your feet and yeah, whipping up your limbs and stuff yeah yeah to true to just truly feel and obviously because you're strapped the person is strapped behind you your vision is very much entirely the world open up before you there's no sense unless you look up to see to see your shoot or look behind you to see the guy uh that that there's anyone else there but you and the birds and that is just so remarkable it's it is to to put it in put it into terrible terms it's like being a drone um <laughs> well or know, a bird or or those those old-fashioned uh oh yeah i'm old school uh, let's keep it old school so yeah, stacking drones um <laughs> so yeah so it was it was a remarkable feeling it was a very quick sort of 10 minute uh flight but it was absolutely sensational and in order to slow yourself down in order to, to get to the landing you're doing these spins and these twirls in the air and you just it's it's like an invisible helter skelter it's wonderful we where we were doing it was over i think it's called the luye and again my pronunciation luye valley uh which uh behind us is mountains the front is mountains this huge river valley below and then the sea so just extraordinary views and bright sunshine we were very lucky we went in the uh wet season but we, we were really lucky with weather <laughs> Fantastic. As Joe says, folks, that's the the, the Luye Valley, and that's spelled L-U-Y-E. And specifically where you did it was where that Luye River meets the Bainan River. And that's, uh, folks, that's spelled B-E-I-N-A-N. If you wanted to have a search of that, we'll obviously put some links in the show notes as well if you want to learn more about the, let's face it, the quite phenomenal sounding experience of paragliding over the island of Taiwan. Wonderful. Mm. And, and and there's clearly there's clearly lots of other areas to do it um sure, across sure. across the mountains uh, obviously my experience was very select in this one area um uh, but i get the impression there's this huge huge amount of paragliding possibilities there and and as i say with with all of this adventure it's just beginning so there's there's lots of people heading out there to really test the thermals and and see what's there wonderful wonderful uh folks as we kind of wend our way towards the end of this conversation uh let's get our feet back on terra firma joe you also had the chance to attend a, a festival the harvest festival perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your experiences there yeah well, i mean talking about adventure travel i, I think this is probably the most adventurous part of it really oh, oh, well certainly the sweatiest i got um <laughs> It was it was something that had, had cropped up. It, it certainly wasn't part of part of, part of our itinerary originally, and it cropped up as a, a possibility to go and visit this uh, indigenous harvest festival that was happening at the same time with the Amis tribes. There's 16 um, tribes in Taiwan, mm -hmm. and the Amis were having their their harvest festival. So, but you know, the the hotelier asked if anyone wanted to wanted to pop by, and so it was it was a very few of us that actually went, and it was at night and this tribe has each of the tribes have their own 
traditional dress and the Amis were dressed in these incredible vermilion uh, outfits um, and lots of feathers involved and, and grasses and things like that, really beautiful beads. Um, and essentially what, what the setup was for this festival is a, a central plinth where the elders and the most respected people of the tribes would be leading the chanting and the singing. And then the warriors of the tribe form a circle around them and they start, they hold hands and they start moving around in a circle and following the chants. And then after a while, the women of the tribe start to join as well. And you make concentric circles and then guests and family members who come in from afar join another concentric circle. So in the end, you have this incredible, and there's, there's a specific dance that goes with, it's a lot of kicking involved. So- Phenomenal. Yeah, on, on on my left hand was an elder man who was who was helping me figure out how to get my feet to do what they were supposed to do, <laughs> and he's absolutely covered in sweat. Even though it was at night, it was still about thirty degrees, and he uh, all, all the men are only dressed in trousers, so he's properly sheened across the torso. Loved it hard <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, and then on my other side was was a friend, and, and then a, a woman who'd come in to to visit her family for specifically for the occasion, and they had tribes people who were walking around the concentric circles with what they call Taiwanese whiskey I believe it's dangerous spirit and there was one cup and every single person was fed from this cup shots of this whiskey wow every five minutes as they just kept making their way increasingly getting drunker and drunker and all of us getting drunker as we're singing chanting dancing for about two hours straight in 30 degrees it was absolutely remarkable incredible uh, as you say not not uh adventure tourism in the in the truest sense of the phrase perhaps but it sounds absolutely amazing and it sounds like quite hard work too it was on the the photos are not kind i would say <laughs> of, of of me afterwards um i don't think i was necessarily the sweatiest but it, it was either my sweat or someone else's sweat on me um and to gain entry <laughs> as well you, you brought an offering of beer or Oh, my or, kind of party. Alcohols. So it was it was a proper party in the middle of this uh, uh, community field. Um, so it's in- incredible. One of those wonderful travel stories where it's not planned. You just turn up and have the best time. That's amazing. Joe, I could quite happily talk for, for hours more about your experiences in Taiwan. Me too, if you hadn't guessed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a whole, we got another season, maybe sometime soon, ready for a, a whole season of, of Joe's experiences in Taiwan. But for now, I'm afraid we'll have to start drawing to a close. Uh, just to finish, Joe, perhaps you could tell us how people can find you online, Facebook, X, website, etc. Oh, X, yes, I forget, it's it's changed. Twitter, um, Twitter, aka X. Yeah, I'm I'm very much a Twitter slash X lurker, so I, I don't tend to do Same. much. But Instagram is the best place to find me, which is, uh, my username is simply Joe Davy Travels, and that's Joe without an E and Davy with an E. Fantastic. So J-O-D-A-V-E-Y yeah. Travels. And then Travels, yeah. Fantastic. And I'm quite active on there, and all of my uh, mistakes are plastered across my stories quite regularly, so. <laughs> Mistakes are, is where the stories are, really. Though, where the it? fun lies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Thanks again, Joe. And the uh, new book coming out early next year. Uh, I think it's yeah. I think it's August twenty twenty four. If I'm not incorrect, uh, I have to hand in in January. So I think that's the the process comes comes clean in August twenty twenty four, which is yeah, Japan and the Okinawa and the Southwest Islands. Fantastic, folks. You have been listening to Joe Davy, a travel writer and photographer specialising in food, visual arts culture and adventure travel thank you so much for joining us today joe thank you you've been listening to the journey podcast where i so si wilmore talk with pioneers 
trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you.